0: Everybody, and welcome to my podcast, Writing Stuff. This is where we talk about the act of writing, and we also talk about stuff about writing. I'm your host, Julie Kelleher, and I am thrilled to have here another fabulous local author, Tony Kellner. Tony, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, um... Let's go back a little bit and
1: just give us a little background your own background and how you got started in writing. Well, I think it's just the writing part, not so much the publishing that came later, but as I started trying to write, probably when I was in junior high school, I got my first rejection slip in in high school, I think. Oh, good for you! And then got a, got a, got a few things published in like very small magazines yeah. in college, and just kind of kept at it all this time. I was working as a technical writer, writing computer manuals, mm. but I always wanted to write fiction full time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, do you now? You actually write under two at least two names. You write under Tony Kellner, and you write under Lee Perry, which is the Sid the Skeleton yes. series is written under, under um, Lee
1: Perry. Um, what? Why? Why do you use two names? Okay, the the, the pretty answer is because when I was had written eight, nine, ten, eleven, 11 novels as Tony Counter, and also had edited seven anthologies or co-edited seven anthologies and a bunch of short stories, and when I was starting a new series and a new direction, we wanted to come up with a pen name, and um, the LP is just Tony LP Counter Lee Perry, mm-hmm. which is my my full name, um, but. The actual answer is that when a bookstore goes to order books, the first thing they, especially the big guys like uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and so forth, they'll look at your track record. Where my sales records for my Tony Kellner novels weren't doing all that well. <laughs> so, but Lee Perry's a new author as far as they're concerned, uh, even though there's no secret to it. Obviously, yeah, right. I wouldn't be telling yes. everybody. <laughs> um, they, so they would look at the, the, instead of just looking at the track record and say, how many she sold last time, they look at the book itself and try to decide if it matches their audience. And it's worked out well. The Tony, the Lee Perrys sell, have sold better than the Tony counters.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. And uh, let's swing right into your latest Lee Perry novel um, in the... Sid the Skeleton series, but before we get to that, no, I'll, I'll I'll ask it while I'm interviewing and while we're talking about your latest, okay? Uh, Sid the Skeleton, because I, I want to ask you how you came up with the idea of using a skeleton in your mysteries. A lot
1: of people ask that yeah. because. I I don't know either. Oh, oh, okay. I don't remember. It's so (laughs) sad. Uh, Well, the Family Skeleton series stars an adjunct English professor named Georgia Thackeray and her best friend, Sid, who's the family skeleton, and yes, he's a walking, talking skeleton. He's been with the family 20 years, and he's her best friend, and together they solve mysteries. And the one that just came out in November, which is The Skeleton Makes a Friend, uh, it's set kind of in a summer. a summertime setting, which is seems very appealing right now in the mm-hmm. cold weather, uh, where she's working at a small college that specializes in teaching academics. And a woman, a young woman, comes to the door and is looking for Sid under another name, and he realizes it's one of his online gaming buddies. As a skeleton, he can't really hang out with people in real life, but he does a lot of stuff online. And so he's he's looking for him to help find one of their missing friends online. So that kind of pulls him into the mystery.
0: Oh, okay, because when you're working with a character like Sid the Skeleton, he can't do everything. It's not like a deus ex machina where you can,
1: you know, all of a sudden he starts flying. How How do you set, like, certain rules for Sid? Well, insofar as I can, I try to make it make sense. Since skeletons... Are not connected. Bones aren't connected it's all the other, all the meat and the gristle that keeps you connected. So I figure he can disconnect and reconnect at will, since the really the only thing that's keeping him alive, so forth, is that he's um, that he wants to be, and he thinks he is. Therefore, I can kind of whatever I can convince him that he's able to do. It makes no sense that he would be able to fly. He doesn't have wings, but it makes sense that he might be able to to hide himself in small areas. Anything that I can think that would justify itself to him, I can get away with. But I want to keep him limited, because as you say, a day at Markino would not... You can't do that with a mystery. It makes it too easy.
0: Yeah. You've also, I assume, been marketing the um, book, and do you do the... Do you go to the bookstores? Do you go to the...
1: Um, conventions to market it, or how do you market? It's varied a bit as time has gone on with the different books. With my earlier books and my first book came out in 93, so it's been oh, a while. Okay. I, it was much more going to the bookstores, and there were just a very few mystery conventions at that time. The way I do it now is I do a lot more online stuff, which seems to reach more people. Bookstore events in general don't seem to have the same pull they used to, mainly because there's so many of us doing them. So the big names still get decent crowds, but even the the large, the more famous authors, I know they say that the bookstore events they do now aren't as well well attended as the ones a few years back. So I'm just I used to do things at the Bestsellers Cafe in Medford, yes. And since they've closed down, I just really haven't found a my my my, my, my local bookstore yet.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Books always is closed. Of course, Kate's Mysteries is long gone. Yes. and uh, Yeah,
1: I was one of the crew that helped pack it up. I was oh, so sad. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know.
0: Kate, I had mm. one of my
1: first signings at Kate's.
0: Yeah.
1: It was actually one of my best attended signings and sold more books that very first book because, you know, the first one is when your mother your in law comes and your yes. husband's yes. <laughs> thesis advisor shows yeah. up and your insurance agent, because they're all so excited. <laughs> After a while, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, another book. Yeah. <laughs>
0: How, how do you on? You, you mentioned you do a lot of stuff online. How do you separate yourself? How do you make yourself distinguishable from all the other authors online? I, I
1: um, oddly that, enough, I'm the only one I know of doing Skeleton Mysteries, so that's oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I do a thing, a little thing I do called the skeleton of the day where I find a picture or a news story about a skeleton, and then I post that on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram every day. Or most days sometimes I miss one. I, uh, at this point, I've got enough of a reputation in the mystery field that that helps too. And otherwise, it's just I don't really differentiate so much between Tony the person and, and Lee the writer in terms of what I post and things. I do do what they call blog tours, You go visit a bunch of different blogs. Um, Most of them are set up by the publicist at my publisher. Mm -hmm. And so she gathered a bunch of information, which was like an excerpt of the book and some photos and some covers. And also I did a book trailer, which is a little animated. Really? Uh, You can do it. A lot of people do it photographs, but I did mine with animated because my daughter's an animator and I can make her work for free. (laughs) Um, And so she sent all these out to these people who were willing to host me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they review the book. Sometimes they want to do an interview, and whatever they want, I'm there for. But she did a lot of the groundwork for me. Thank goodness, because it takes a lot of time to set them up. Yeah, yeah.
0: So now, are you are you are you working now exclusively as Lee Perry, and you know, in your writing? Or?
1: I, I expect it to be, but no. Uh-huh. Uh, just this month, last week, in fact, I had a short story come out as Tony and the reason is it's an ex- i was uh, invited to s- submit a story to a Sherlock Holmes inspired anthology so short stories inspired by not necessarily like a retelling or a pastiche of okay, the series okay okay and what i ended up doing was a a short story set at a Sherlock Holmes media convention so not like the very Formal Baker Street Irregulars meetings, which are yes. just the book, yeah, but yeah. just kind of the media stuff because there's so much with Sherlock Holmes. Found out later there really is such a thing, but I didn't know it when I wrote the story. So I wanted to, I thought, like, well, who don't? And I was going to try to stick uh, Sid in and Georgia going, but I just couldn't come up with a way in a short story to both introduce the, the idea of a walking, talking skeleton, yeah. figure out a way to get him there, and have him not be seen. So I ended up using a character that I'd written about my second series who was a freelance entertainment reporter. And her, that character actually lived in Malden. Oh. So that was fun for me. Um, and I pulled her back. But that series is written under Tony Kellner, so I had to do the short story as Tony Kellner, to. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: how would How is the book going? You know, it's very difficult to tell. Yeah. Because the, tradition, the traditional publisher doesn't give you numbers Really, until about six weeks or six months or longer after a book comes out, the only publisher that's really a um, an exception to that is if you're with the Random House group, which is Penguin, Random House, and all those. Is they have a portal where you can look up every week and see how many books you sold. For everybody else, it's just like, yeah, we'll tell you when your royalty statement comes out. Yeah, and and they which is really frustrating because there is a uh, a site or an information group called BookScan. And you can actually find out on that what your book sold in a given week, but only if you can afford to pay for it because it's really expensive. So publishers use it, and that's about
0: it. Oh, okay. Okay. Are we going to um, see more of Sid in the future?
1: I my editor has asked me not to say what the next book is going to be. Okay, <laughs> but um, I'm not sure why they they're holding off on it. Yeah. But they have asked. the original deal was I was going to start a new series, but through various and my editor I was working with left. Oh, I see. So it left yeah. the next book kind of yeah. up in the air as to what we were going to do, and it's just recently been decided. Okay.
0: So now, are you working exclusively with Sid or the skeleton series, the family skeleton Uh, series? Right now,
1: now I have been. And then, you know, the occasional short story when it comes up. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, Where do you find places to put your short stories? I'm going to do a little shift here to short stories. In terms of
1: markets? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, I, I mean, I've always got, I always want to, and I never seem to make the time unless someone actually asks me for a particular anthology. Oh, okay. So for the Sherlockian one, it was unusual, and a fellow named Leslie Klinger and a woman named Laurie King, who are both well-known in the mystery field, and especially in the Sherlockian uh, field, they have edited three other anthologies based on Sherlock Holmes in some way or another, and so I guess when the third one came out, I kinda of sidled up to Les at the at a party and said, you know, if you do another one <laughs> I would love to submit. And he kept track of me so when they got a contract he called me and asked great. me to submit.
0: Great, great.
1: And they usually have a theme, they usually have length requirements, oh, all that yes. good stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, do you do any writing for instance to I know you did some technical writing.
1: Yeah, I, do, I wrote computer it? manuals for yeah. about 10 years. Uh,
0: can I ask for whom? Or oh, where, yeah, where,
1: none of the company. I, I killed all my companies. Oh. A, <laughs> I, I worked for Broadway. So that was in Charlotte. Up yep. here, I worked for s- software service. There was SSA. They're all initials, and I no longer uh-huh. remember what the initials. Oh, okay. But it was System Services Associates, yeah. which was banking automation, oh. and they're long gone. Yeah. And then I was working for BGS, which was Capacity Planning Software. Okay. Which yeah, that's exciting stuff. Yeah. I I'm, um, I'm sorry, you saw my eyes just kind of glaze yeah, over there. <laughs> I think, you know, tech writing was fun to do, but it's not really very interesting to talk about. But no, like, I, you I, know, yeah. debates over sans serif and serif fonts don't really excite most people. No. Yeah. <laughs> but that company got bought out not long after I left them. Oh, okay. So they were so Software Services was up in uh North Andover and then BGS was in Waltham. Okay. Okay. Um that's been over twenty years, oh goodness, yeah.
0: Are your books, your Tony Kellner books, still available, et cetera? What, they, what, what, what
1: are those about? Uh, the first series was my Laura Fleming series. Okay, now these were s- m- mysteries set in North Carolina with a Southerner who had moved to Massachusetts (laughs) and then would kind of go back home to solve mysteries. As a North Carolinian living in Massachusetts, you might have a hunch where I got the idea. (laughs) I started the first one, and I tried to write a lot of novels, and like most people, have a drawer full of bits and pieces that never went anywhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was when I moved up here and kind of, I don't know, it was a little bit of a shock to the system. It gave me a certain perspective. And I was writing, basically, it was just a character sketch. And, um... This is, this is kind of fairly long and involved, but a friend of mine lived in Charlotte, and after I moved up here to Massachusetts, to Malden, she said, so how are you doing with your writing? And I thought, like, well, I've just been moving in with a new job and getting settled, and I haven't done much with it. She goes, oh, well, my friend Pam has finished her book. My friend Pam is going to be submitting her book next week and on and on about Pam. And it made me mad. <laughs> and I was really mad at Pam. And I didn't even, had not even met Pam. And so I, it made me mad. So it's like, well, I'm going to finish something. So I went and looked to see what I was working on and found that little character sketch about a, a southern woman. And so I started working on it. And it wasn't, I'd really, I would really been trying to write science fiction and fantasy. I just wasn't very good at it. That mm-hmm. was dreadful. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to try to make it a mystery instead. So I killed somebody. And and that became my first book. (laughs) Pam never sold her book. Poor old Pam. Poor Pam. She has sold other writing since, and I have met her since. She's very nice. And it's not her fault. It wasn't. She wasn't the one rubbing my nose in it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that series went to eight. That was with Kensington books. Okay. Yeah. And I wrote the first couple while still working full time, Mm -hmm. and then I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I said, I can write and I can work. I can write and I can have kids, but I can't have all three.
0: Right. Yeah. So I
1: dumped the, the, the job and just became a stay-at-home full-time writer. And, and it worked
0: out very well, it seems. So far. Yeah. Well, of
1: course, I'm no longer a stay I've still got the kids. They're just not at home anymore. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, let's let's do another little uh, switch tracks here, uh, because I know I've, I've, we've, we're bo- we've both gone to the... Um, Crime Bank oh, crime Convention, big? although yeah. I didn't go this year, although I'm planning on going next year. Did you go this year?
1: No, I had a conflict with the parents' yeah. weekend for one of my daughter's colleges. Oh, okay. First time I've missed, in fact. Really? Yeah. Oh, my
0: gosh, yeah. Um, what do you think of them, you know? speaking you know to other writers you know writers who are maybe thinking you know do I want to go to a convention or you know something like that well,
1: I think the first thing is to look at kind of what you want from a convention if yeah. you're going to promote your own work yeah then the crime bake's probably not your best bet uh, because it's for how it's for writers it's for aspiring writers and also even established writers learn stuff I always learn stuff oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but there are fan conventions one is Bouchercon, which is the world mystery convention There's Malice Domestic, Mm -hmm. which was aimed for traditional mystery lovers, or cozies. And uh, there's Left Coast Crime, which is more of a general mystery convention, and it travels in various places up and down the Left Coast. And there's a few in England. And those are the ones you go to for fans, in which you're trying to meet with fans and try to sell your books that way. And there's a lot of business and networking that goes on to them as well. Yes, yeah. But if you really, if you're going to try to get your own work published, the how to write conferences, like Crime Bake, there's Sleuth Fest down in Florida, mm-hmm. um, there's several others where you go, and there's, they're a lot of fun to to speak on, but they're not they're not a place to sell books because people are not there to buy books; they're, learn, they're there to learn how to write their own, and I think it's terrific for aspiring writers because just meeting another writer. Yeah. I mean, we're, oh, in the Massachusetts, yes. they were, we're spoiled. Yes, we are. But, you yeah. know, in North Carolina, I didn't know any mystery. Piece. I knew a few science fiction, and that was yeah. about it. Yeah. And um, just to be able to meet another writer and compare notes. And when I first got started, I was going to the Sisters in Crime, which yes. is an international group. It's a board of women mystery writers. And I went to a couple of the local meetings at Kate's Mystery Book books yeah. we were mentioning earlier. And I met Susan Conan. I met a couple of other published writers, and just the fact that they were real live people. Yes. It was, I mean, I was silly. I know it sounds silly, but it just made a huge difference to me. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I got advice. I met a woman, and she actually met her at, I met her at a science fiction writing workshop with Sarah Smith, who's another local writer. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. And she, we were doing this one day writer's workshop where we kind of work, showed how the workshop process worked for short stories. And I was talking to her about this novel, uh, Down Home Murder, I was trying to sell. And at that point, I had written it, and I had shipped it off to, I don't know, 50 agents and and publishers trying to sell it, had no luck, had just about put it back in the drawer. And she said, well, let me look at it. And she went through the whole thing. Wow. She gave me 12 pages of notes, single-spaced. Wow. Whoa. I rewrote the book entirely, and Mm -hmm. it sold. Great. Great. And just, you know, from meeting her, was such And that she was willing to do that for yeah. me. Yeah, um, You know, not all writers are good at critiquing, mm-hmm. and not all writers are willing, but she's just been fabulous that way.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: I met... When I met Susan Conant, when I was shipping out, trying to uh, get a... Sending out query letters, and this was before email and stuff. So this yeah. would be... Put the letter in the envelope, a self-addressed <laughs> stamped envelope, <laughs> and um, sending it out. And it takes so long to get a response. Yes. And she says, Well, how many are you sending out at the time? I thought... Well, can't you just send it out one at a time? She goes, no, send out a dozen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it says here. Yeah. Well, that's what they want. Don't yeah, do yeah. it. <laughs> and again, that was a simple thing. But I started sending out ten and twelve at a time, mm-hmm. and it sped up the. Pro- I got a lot more rejections, yes. but I got <laughs> them faster. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. And that's how I got my first agent. As a matter of fact.
0: Very great. great. <laughs> Uh, are you a plotter or are you a pantser I am mostly a pantser Uh, that warms my heart because I'm a pantser and so I love hearing when there are nothing against plotters but I love you know
1: whatever works is my thing but um I was talking to a guy I know who's working on a young adult fantasy novel to party last night and he said well you know my my outline for the first book is 35,000 words it's like that that's nearly half a novel, Exactly, dude. yeah. But if it works for him, I'm not. Yeah. you know, what yeah. the hey. Um, I generally, with the first books, I kind of did outlines. Well, the first book I sold, you have, with your first novel, you really have to have the whole thing written. So then you can write the outline after the fact if you have to. From that point on, it depends on what the editor wanted. Some of them wanted an outline. Some wanted a one-page synopsis. And I'll produce exactly what I have to to make them happy. And then I put it in a drawer and I get along with the work. And I don't match my synopses. I don't match my outlines. They don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I don't do any more than I have to. Yeah.
0: Is there a particular place where you write? Do you have a little, like, writing nook in your home? Oh,
1: we have an office. Oh, nice. We put a, for a while we used a spare bedroom that both my husband's and my computer, my husband writes as well.
0: Yes, yes. That
1: were, most of our books and both our computers were in, and then, as the family kept growing, we Mm -hmm. put an extension on the house. Oh. So now it's the vast majority of our books plus our two computers. Okay. And so, yeah, we have our own office at home. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Yeah. it really (laughs) is.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you usually write, like, um, in the morning, in the afternoon, in
1: the evening? Late at night and into the wee hours. Really? Yeah. I don't, I I try, there's no good reason for it. Yeah. I keep trying to get myself on a normal, like, you know, (laughs) get up, work, and schedule, and it just doesn't work for me.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: (laughs) And then I'll get crazy on deadlines, and then it's like 24-7 anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah
0: um as we both know all writers also should be readers and
1: I was just wondering what you're reading now let's see what I just finished Benjamin Jacka. he's, a, he's an urban fantasy writer a oh. British writer and I just finished one of his I've been reading Alona Andrews I read a lot of urban fantasy the anthologies I co-edited were urban fantasy more than you know that term
0: Well, I know urban, and I know what fantasy is, but I Um, I did the combination of the two.
1: It's taking fantasy elements, like it can be horror-based, like vampires and werewolves, or it can be elves and so forth, and putting it into the real world. So, uh, for instance, True Blood. Yes. Oh, okay. That's a perfect example. That was... Uh, the series, the book series, was written by my co-editor Charlene Harris. Oh, okay. So we did seven anthologies together because I was a fan of the genre, and I, in order to pick out people to invite to the anthologies, I had to read a lot of, a lot of it, and I just kind of got hooked. Mm-hmm. And when you're writing mysteries, sometimes it's hard to read other people's mysteries. Yeah. Because either they're better than you and it really annoys you, mm-hmm. or they're not very good and that annoys you too because yes. they're published. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So sometimes it's better to read a little off to the side.
0: Okay. So, yeah. Alona
1: Andrews, is, I think, was the next book I had read before the Benjamin Jacob.
0: Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Well, um, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, I want to thank Tony Kellner for stopping by. And again, one more plug for your latest novel.
1: The, the Skeleton Makes a Friend, published by Diversion Books, both as an ebook, an audible download book, and a trade paperback. And it's coming out as a CD, audio CD, in January, I think. And are you reading it? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they have professionals who do that. That have you ever tried to do that? No, no, I've never. It's hard. Is it? Yeah. I uh, Ellery Queen's. No, it was Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine, did a bit where they invited several other contributors to read a short story. Mm. And then they recorded it. And, it's like, and I thought, this is going to be easy. No, it was really hard. Oh. <laughs> and I actually kind of crossed it with my friend Charlene. She read one of mine and I read one of hers. Oh, okay. And I got the better deal because hers was a southern story, so I could oh. use the iphone Mine, the one she had to read of mine, was a historical pirate mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Oops.
0: Oh, okay. Well, again, Tony, thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate it. And that wraps up this podcast again the podcast is called writing stuff and this is julie kelleher reminding you that revenge is a dish best served in 12 point courier double spaced thank you for listening